So last week we saw in Advent we talked about hope and this idea that the hope of all believers is to live with the Lord forever. We have this hope in Jesus that someday we're going to be with him in eternity. Whether that's today or later on, it's someday. And so we have our hope in the Lord. And so today we're looking at this second week of Advent with peace. Um, and so as we went through this this, uh, this last week's reading, uh, we kind of landed on the end of 2 Corinthians. But I wanted just to share this about peace. In the account of Luke, Luke 2, we, we read about Jesus' birth. And the angels proclaimed, they said, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. They, they were proclaiming they're proclaiming peace to those on earth where His favor rests. So how do we have His favor? How do we know about His peace? How, do we, how can we be right with the Lord? It said right there in, a little bit earlier in, in Luke, in chapter 1 at the end, it says, it talks about our guide, that, we would, that Zechariah prays that we would, our, our feet would be guided on the path of peace. So we would have the Lord's peace and He would show us His Peace. And what does that mean? And I know in the Old Testament we had this word called shalom in Hebrew. Shalom is this idea of completeness, this idea of wholeness. It's not just the absence of conflict or the absence of, of chaos or war, but it's this, this idea of being restored to how God created us to be. He made us whole. And because of sin, we were separated from God. Because of sin, we have been corrupted. Because of sin, sin entangles every part of everybody. And so it's, it's constantly getting more and more, uh, this, this world is getting more and more corrupt, more and more against what God designed. You, you can watch the news and you can see that it's getting more and more, there's more war, there's more chaos, there's more evil that's just being accepted as normal. And so we can see that we need peace. We need God's restoration. So let's see how Paul talks about peace at the end of his letter in 2 Corinthians. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, I want to just encourage you to open your Bible, and we have just a few verses here. Now I want to remind you that Paul talks a lot about grace. In fact, in the beginning of each of his letters, he, talks, he says grace and peace to you. He, he wants to give his blessing to each church that he's writing to, about this, this blessing of grace and this blessing of peace and how really they go together. And so peace is not just something that we think about, but it's something that God designed, that we would have his wholeness, his peace. And so at the end of this letter, and you know, a lot of times when you summarize an email or a letter or maybe a text message, when you're, you're trying to get to the very end, a lot of times you just want to leave at the very end with kind of just the main, the main point, right? You want to just make sure they understood what this was all about. And I think this is kind of what Paul is doing here too. And so in 2 Corinthians, he ends this letter in the last few verses, chapter 13, verse 11. And I'm just going to read the ending here. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. 
Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And this is how he closes his letter. Well, let's pray just as we, as we uh, get started here. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you brought peace to earth. Thank you for your word. Please help us, God, as we, as we examine your word, that you would give us ears to hear today, hearts to, to receive your message and to obey. I just speak and pray for clarity of your message today, Jesus, and of your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul, he, he, wants, he wants the God of peace, the God of love and peace, to be with the believers in Corinth. I believe he wants the God of peace and the love and peace to be with each believer, not just the church in Corinth. And this has been for, for all of us. So it's written to them, uh, but it's also for us too. So as he says, finally, he wants to remind his, his people that he's writing this to, that they are brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. You are brothers and sisters in Christ. If you have chosen to put your trust in Jesus, like what Celeste read, or what, um, sorry, Susie read earlier in Romans about putting your faith in Jesus with your mouth and your heart, you're going to be not just saved, but you're also in the family of God. You're, you're brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says here, he says, when you're brothers and sisters in Christ, he says rejoice. It doesn't matter your circumstances around you. It does because that's what we keep our eyes on. But what Celeste was talking about earlier too, about rejoicing, about even in the trials, even in the hard times, it's not about what's happening right in front of us. It's about keeping our eyes on Jesus and letting, let, seeing what he's doing and keeping that we are rejoicing in the Lord. And so he says this, he gives five commands here to the brothers and sisters in Christ. Five commands right here in this one verse of verse 11. He says, first of all, rejoice. And then he says, strive for full restoration. And another way of looking at that could be aim for maturity. You know, are we striving to be fully mature, to be complete? And in some versions it says uh, perfection. Okay? Are we striving to be brothers and sisters in Christ, helping each other, restoring each other, overlooking problems, and looking at the hearts of each other and, and being a family of God together? So he says, rejoice. Secondly, strive for full restoration. And then he says one that it's easy to skip over, encourage one another. Oh yeah, we do that, right? We encourage. No, but he's writing. He, this is a command. It's not just like if you want to. This is, he's saying to encourage. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be encouraged. 
we need to receive encouragement, but to receive encouragement, we also need to be really good at giving encouragement to each other. And so he says, encourage one another. And it, I feel like that's something that, that some of us are really good, or some of you are really good at, and some of maybe us are not as good at. But that's not something that's, if you have a gift of encouragement, yes, there is a gift of encouragement, but it's for all of us. Paul is saying, all of you rejoice. All of you strive for maturity or, or completeness, for restoration. All of you encourage one another. Yes, some of you are better at encouraging each other than others. But every, every one of us should be seeking to encourage each other. And, and if we're going to encourage each other, that means that we're not just focused on the annoying things of our brothers and sisters. Right? In, in a family, I mean, Paul says we're brothers and sisters. Jesus says we are in the family of God. We, if we just are picking at each other all the time, it's going to be hard to encourage each other. So let's be, as a, as a congregation, as a family, let's be in, looking for the encouragement. Let's be looking for the joy. Let's be looking for how we can aim for restoration. The fourth one, he says, is be of one mind. And that seems pretty hard to do. I mean, even in a, even in a marriage, even in a close relationship, it's hard to be of one mind, right? But he wants the believers to think like-minded. Technically, it's like, think the same thing. Now, that's kind of hard to do, but how can we think the same thing as, as the family of God? Is if we're putting our eyes on Jesus. If we're, being, if we're being filled by Him. If we're trusting in Him. When our eyes are on Jesus, we're going to start thinking alike. And so he says, be of one mind. And really, this is the basis for then live at peace. Now, this isn't just a, this is a good idea to live at peace. But this is, a, again, an imperative. It's a command. So Paul says, be, at one, be of one mind and live at peace. Easier said than done, but I think he's, he's trying to give us a little bit of maybe a formula or some ideas of how to do this. When we're, when we're rejoicing, we're going to be living more at peace. When we're striving for full restoration, when we're bringing each other into the family of God and we're, we're, we're showing forgiveness and kindness, when we're encouraging each other, when we're thinking about Jesus and we're being of the same mind, we're going to be living in peace. Not just the absence of conflict, but we're going to have this inner peace that the Lord himself gives. In this verse, Paul says, do these things, and then. So do these things, these are commands, and then the result is the God of love and peace will be with you. And, and I know that's easy just to kind of skip through, like, okay, oh, yeah, God, God, God is love, God is peace, uh, yeah, he's going to be with us. Yeah, of course he's with us. If we're believers, he's with us. So what does that mean that the God of love and peace will be with you? What does, that, what does that look like? This is a promise. Do we always have God with us? Yes, but then do we always feel God's presence with us? Do we always experience the peace that passes all understanding? Do we always experience him? I think the answer is no. We're not always going to be feeling the presence of God. But he's there. 
And it says that we can have the God of love and peace with us. Isn't that what we want? Do we want the God of love and peace to be with us? Not just this idea that sometimes we can have some absence of conflict or we can be kind to each other. But no, we have the God of peace, the God of love in our midst. And He's given us His Spirit for all believers. All believers have the Spirit of the living God within them. And so we have the God of peace. We have the God of love with us. But when we're doing these things, when we're doing when we're not living in unity, when we're not living to encourage each other and, and, and looking for the good, and we're not rejoicing, we're not aiming for maturity and perfection and restoration, when we're not living in peace, then we're not... The, 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 God, of, the God of love and peace is, is with us, but not in the same way. We're not going to feel His closeness. You know, when, we, when something really bad is happening in our life, it's easy to keep our eyes on that. It's easy to keep the, the, the problem be the focus. But I've heard recently that, and I, I think it was in a parenting book, I forget where I read it, but don't let the problem be bigger than the relationship. Is the problem bigger than the relationship? If it is, we, I want to just encourage us to put our eyes on Jesus. Let's be rejoicing what's being looking to each other for to restore each other to encourage each other to be of one mind and living at peace because then the god of peace is going to be with us the god's present he is present with us and this main idea today is that the god of peace is present with those who embrace his peace the god of peace is present with those who embrace His peace. Are we embracing the peace of Christ? Are we embracing His peace? Because He's present when we embrace His peace. And then this idea in verse 11 here is the God of peace is with believers when they live out His peace. When they live out His peace with one mind. Paul says when we are living in one mind, when we're thinking like-minded, then we're going to have his peace. So the God, God's peace is with believers, with the family of God when they're living this peace out. They're living it out and having the same mindness, the same, same thoughts. They're looking for the good. We want the best. We overlook little offenses and we seek restoration. You know, this week, even as I was kind of thinking about what is a good example of this, I was, I was just caught right then. I, we had, I just gotten home on a Wednesday, or I forget what day. Uh, I gotten home, and, and my little three-year-old Annie, she was just delighting. She had this, this paper plate, and she was just like waving it on the table. And when she did it, this other page, piece of paper, floated across the, pa- the table. And it fell off, and she just was giggled with delight. She loved seeing that she could do this, and it had this effect on this piece of paper that she wasn't touching. And just like the wonder and excitement and the joy that it was, she had, like it was just like, oh, I've got to stop what I'm doing and just like watch what she's doing here. But 
But then she tried to do it again, and, and the technique that she was using, it wasn't working. She was trying to do it like really high above the paper, and the, so the, the wind didn't catch the paper. And she was, she was trying, she was trying, but it just wasn't doing it. And so Lucy, what did you do, Lucy? You don't remember? Lucy helped her. She, she, put, she helped put her arm lower to the table so that she could wave this paper plate. Oh, it was Elizabeth? I thought it was Lucy. <laughs> so Elizabeth helped. <laughs> good, good correction. A sister helped another sister. That was the idea, okay? And this sister helped her. She encouraged her. She, and then and Annie, it worked. And she was so happy again. Sisters need to help sisters. Brothers and sisters need to help brothers and sisters. God's presence is dependent on the unity of His church. And if we want His peace, we need to know what He wants. And then He'll give us the result of peace. He wants us to be in unity, thinking together of one mind. He wants us to encourage each other and help each other so that that paper plate can do its job of getting that paper across the table and giving delight to your little sister. Romans 12, that we're going to read actually, I think in today's reading, it says this, live in harmony with each other. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God wants us to live at peace. But as far as it depends on us, that's what we're trying to do. It doesn't mean everybody's going to be happy with you, but we live at peace. We're trying to seek His peace. We're trying to live at harmony. And not just be good for goodness sake. That doesn't always work. But having this idea of having peace having the goal of wanting God's peace, that means we've got to do something. That means we need to be, be kind to each other, being in u- unity. So let me ask you, what, are there things that you can think of that, that bring peace to others? I encourage you to do those things, to bring peace to others. Now, Paul does have a few more verses here, and we'll get to them here. It says in, in verse 12 and 13, I know it's, this is one we probably just want to skip through really fast because it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And all of God's people here send their greetings. Uh, like, this is, this is not just right here in the Bible. This is a few other places where, where in the greetings here, the final greetings, Paul is instructing people to kiss each other. Now, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Good effect there, yeah. What does that mean? Paul's saying, kiss someone. How do, what? Kiss someone? It doesn't say kiss your wife, kiss your spouse. He says greet one another. 
with a holy kiss. Holy kiss. And I think this idea isn't just that it's about how the kiss is holy, but Paul writes often about how we are saints, how we are the family of God, how we are set aside to be set apart and holy. So I think this idea here could be that this kiss is what a saint, what a holy person, all of us, would use to greet their family. Do we gr- now, now, our culture, I know we don't do this, where we greet each other with a kiss, right? But this plays a role in keeping the peace. This plays a role in unity of Christ. This plays a role in how we are kind to each other. We're thinking about each other. It, when we interact, let's just think of it like this. When we interact warmly, whether it's an embrace, whether it's just being close together, there's this desire that we see each other. This desire that we're close together. This desire that we share the peace of God together. And so God's peace is with believers when they desire nearness with church family. When you want to be close to each other, it says you want to interact warmly. You want to show kindness. Like here, Paul was even saying in verse 13, all of God's people send their greetings. They want to be together. Many times Paul says, I wish I could be there. I want to be with you guys. Right? Because he wants to be with his church family. He wants to be not just far away, not just writing letters, but he wants to be near. There's something about proximity. There's something about being close together. I love that right now we're sitting closer together. Like that we can hear each other's voices and sing. You know, in the country that we used to live in, Nicaragua, they, anytime someone came in the room, there was, everybody kind of stopped what they were doing and, and gave a holy kiss, really. They gave a, a kiss on both cheeks. Usually it was guys, uh, usually guys didn't do it to guys, but it was more that the girls were involved in this and some guys to girls. But this idea that they, they stopped and they went and greeted every person. You know, even if they're interrupting, they, it, it was more important that they have a friendly interaction, a, a chance to greet each other, even if they're maybe kind of interrupting. That, that would never work in our society because we're like, hey, time is more important than physical interaction and things like that because we, we value different things. But Paul was clearly saying here, you want, I want you guys to be close together. I want you guys to, to share in the nearness of family. You know, when, when you are in a fight, like a, in a marriage, you make up. When you're in a fight with, with, with siblings, I see this often, that even though they don't really want to, but they give each other a hug. There's something about a physical contact that an embrace that brings people back together, closer together. So do you desire nearness? Do you, in, do you want to give a warm embrace? Do you want to open yourself up to someone? Because it's, it's harder to do this in our, in our context, in our culture. But if we are in the body of Christ, if we are brothers and sisters in Christ, let's be doing this. Let's be opening ourselves up. That doesn't mean you have to be, if you're not a touchy-feely person, it doesn't mean everybody has to do all this physical contact, but this idea of opening ourselves up to each other, 
This idea that we are not living in isolation. This idea that we are a family, that we need each other. And then Paul ends this letter by saying, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father, sorry, of of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Usually Paul ends his letters by just saying something very simple, the grace of the Lord be with you. Here is a more of an elaborate ending. He, and it's a, a different ending too because he, he, usually when we look at the Trinity, we always talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In that order, that doesn't mean that that's more important, but it's usually in that order. And so, but Paul doesn't do that. He talks about Jesus first. He talks about Jesus, and I, I feel like I read this in a commentary that it reflects the Christian experience. The first we come to Christ, and then we encounter God the Father, and then we receive His Spirit. It's kind of it's the order that our experience in, in God is. But Paul here lists something just really special about each person of the Trinity. He says, the, "May the grace of our Lord be with." May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. May the grace, Jesus' grace, he willingly, he willingly paid the price of our sins. He willing, this is who we, who we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus Christ. The love of God. God sent his only son to die for us. God fixed what he didn't break. Paul says the the fellowship of the Spirit, the Spirit dwells in us and He is our connection to God. And so these gifts, these are just some of the unique gifts of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the more that we experience the God of the Bible, the more that we experience Jesus Christ, His Father, and, and live out with His Spirit, the more we are going to be joyful. We're going to be in this relationship where we're getting filled by Him. And so God's peace is with believers when they experience a full relationship with the Lord. When we are filled up, we have have energy to give out. When we are filled in in God and in our relationship with God, it's just going to overflow to others. It's a lot easier to show each other grace and love, be encouraging each other. It's, it's a lot easier when we are filled up with God. In fact, I'm not just going to say it's a lot easier. It's needed. We need to be filled up with the Lord. If we're going to live in, in family, in relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be filled up by the Lord. So if that's something that you're not doing or not doing very often, that's, that's the only thing I want you to hear today. I want you to hear, spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord, not out of obligation or guilt, but spend time with the Lord because He wants to fill you with Him. He wants you to be satisfied in His joy. And when we abide in the Lord, we are filled up and that's going to affect all our relationships. If you aren't experiencing 
if you aren't experiencing his joy and his, the filling in your relationship with the Lord, then it's not going to work very well with others. It actually kind of becomes a little bit fake or disgenuine when we're trying to be kind to each other, we're trying to just help each other a little bit here and there. It's not out of the love of the Spirit. I'm not saying be mean to people if you're having a bad day, but I'm saying it's a lot easier to be mean to someone when you're having a bad day. But when we're filled up with the Spirit, where we're filled up in our relationship with Jesus, and something bad happens to us, we are much more likely, at least in my life, this is my experience, much more likely to let it go. To not be huffy and puffy, not to be mad at that person. We can let it go because we are filled in our relationship with Jesus. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to get upset when I'm not filled with, with Jesus and His Spirit. So are you being filled in your relationship with the Lord? We need to start here. We need to start in our relationship with the Lord before trying to live out His peace, try to be near to church family. It's not going to work in that order if we're not filling ourselves up with the Lord, if we're not drawing close to the Lord. It's not going to work very well to live at peace, to live in one mind, to desire nearness with church family. So let's start with the Lord. Let's start with the Lord, and that's how we're of one mind. The song we're going to sing in the choir next week talks about, we sing about God's peace. We sing that peace, heavenly peace, rests on men at his birth. Peace beyond understanding, gift of God to the earth. Peace shines in our hearts, bright as a star that shines in the east to guide us all as we seek the Prince of Peace. 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 It's going to sound a lot better next week than, than me just saying it. But I wanted to give you that little highlight because it's about God's peace. God's peace is beyond understanding. It's a gift of God. It shines in our hearts when we let His peace, when we let Him be in charge, when we're filled up with Jesus. It's bright like a star. People are going to see it. It's, God's peace isn't just a good idea. It's required for a healthy church. Because when there's healthy people experiencing God and filling up with Him, then people on the inside are going to feel blessed together. And people on the outside of the church are going to see, they're going to see peace that's beyond understanding. They're going to see peace that's shining bright. Imagine, imagine how wonderful it would be if we experienced, if we all experience the fullness of our, in our relationship with the Lord. The, the wholeness of peace that He gives. Remember, Jesus drew near to us while we are still sinners. Christ died for us. We were His enemies. And He chose to come in peace to give us a chance to be with Him the God of peace is present with those who embrace His peace. Are we going to embrace His peace? Our actions, our actions impact other people. We don't live in a vacuum. We can't just be like, I'm just going to be like this. But no, we are together. Maybe a little complaining is not that big a deal. Maybe, maybe just having a bad day, being unkind, having bad thoughts. Maybe it's not that big a deal. I'm not going to tear down the church. You know what? That's wrong. Because our relationships affect each other. 
because we're in the body of Christ. So let's, let's each be seeking God's peace. Let's each be seeking God's fullness in a relationship with him. And then we're going to be living out his peace. Then we're going to be wanting to be near each other. And then we're going to show the hope of the world. The hope of the world that all believers will be with the Lord forever. People will want to be with the Lord forever. So I, I put a challenge in the, in the sermon notes today. This challenge says, do you want to experience the God of peace and the peace that he gives? Do you want to embrace that? Do you want to experience the hope that we have in, in the Lord, the peace that he gives? And if we do, what are you going to do about it? This week, there's, I, I gave a whole bunch of options here. Pick one of those. Is there, is there somebody that you can encourage is there something that you can pray? Change a, an attitude? Is there someone that you can share a meal with? To give a warm embrace to? To pray for our church and other churches to be of one mind? Maybe, and this is probably the most important thing, spend some extended period of time. It doesn't matter how busy we are, Spend an extended period of time in the presence of the Lord. Not telling Him things, but just listening. Read His Word and let Him speak to you. And I put six things on the list. I know that might have been kind of an accident, but between now and next Sunday, there's six days. So you could, theoretically, do one a day. But this is just some ideas. This is just some ideas. But I want, and I think we all want, to experience the peace that He gives. At this, especially in this Christmas season. So let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to bring peace. But you don't force peace to any of us. God, I pray that, that we would be of one mind, that we would be striving to be in unity. Lord, we pray that we would be a, a people that's healthy, a people that that love each other, that encourage each other, that want what's best for each other. And God, more than any of that, I pray that you would draw close to us, that we would set aside time, not out of guilt, but we would set aside time because we just want to be filled by you. So Lord, we thank you that you give us peace. We pray that you would use this according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.